C++ is a powerful programming language that has been used for several decades. Its importance lies in its versatility and efficiency, making it a popular choice for developing software and systems across different domains. The impact of C++ is significant, as it has been used to create numerous high-performance applications, including operating systems, browsers, gaming engines, and financial systems. It has also played a crucial role in the development of the internet and the growth of modern computing. In a recent development, the NSA indirectly asked developers to use memory-safe languages whenever possible because hackers frequently exploit memory issues. In this episode, we'll discuss these safety issues with the creator of C++, Bjarna Strostrup. This episode is hosted by Jordimon Companies. Check out the show notes to follow him on Twitter. Hi, Bjarne. Welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, let's see how things work. So from the opinion paper that you and several colleagues of yours have put out very recently, I'll, I, I would love to quote something. But we must evolve. Now, before we move on to the context of that statement, let's address a bit what took you and your colleagues uh, to make that statement and then opinion paper, right? So let's a bit kind of address the elephant in the room. So um, it it seems like uh, many, uh, in this case, governments and also private organizations are pushing very strongly uh, for the industry to move away from programming in C++. Um, they, they are considering it a dead end and a no-go zone sometimes. So th- these are very strong statements. statements. I'll, I'll quote them, by the way, so that I'm not paraphrasing anyone. Uh, especially, those from the, especially those organizations and individuals uh, uh, in the security industry are calling for new generations of developers to not use and learn C++. And to those already using it, to stop using it and switch to memory safe languages. And I quote now, these vulnerabilities, ones that are, the reference are to many studies by Microsoft, Google, and other organizations, uh, a long list of them, and many others are made possible because C and C++ are not memory safe. Organizations which write large amounts of C and C++ inevitably, and that might be key to our discussion now, inevitably, produce large numbers of vulnerabilities that can be directly attributed to a lack of memory safety. These vulnerabilities are exploited to the peril of hospitals, human rights dissidents, blah, blah, blah. Using C and C++ is bad for society, bad for your reputation, and it's bad for your customers. I'm, end quote there. So very, very strong statement that is directly attacking the lack of memory safety features in uh, C++, I would argue. So let's start there. Let's focus on memory C- the des- on the design of C++, if you don't mind, around the lack of memory safety features. Was that something that was done on purpose back in the day? And uh, yeah, I'd like to start there. So you raised a lot of issues uh, around the central topic. And some of those statements were very strong. And I was very tempted to make some very strong statements, um, but I won't. Um, we will let people, other people hype, and I don't. Um, so C++ 
Trust has been evolving from day one. It was a design choice back in about 1979, because I realized that there was no way I could build a perfect language from scratch. Uh, I didn't have the resources, I didn't have the knowledge, and the world changes uh, all along. And anyway, good engineering uh, relies on feedback. And you only get feedback by building something, trying it out first for testing, but then with friendly users and then at scale. And you always learn something. And then you go back and you uh, rebuild, reorganize, rethink, and come up with something better. And we've been doing this for decades now. And we uh, will keep doing that. Um, then coming to safety, I've always aimed for complete type safety for C++, complete type and resource safety. You can find those ideals documented by me back in the 90s. It's just harder to get there than um, people think. Um, I was the main author of the Joint Strike Fighter uh, coding guidelines, uh, which made certain forms of uh, software rather uh, safe and uh, reliable. Uh, C++ is essential in many areas and very reliable. Um, constant repairment to space um, when when a satellite doesn't work, et cetera. And C++ is very widely used there. So you can use safe C++. And for the last about seven years, I've been working for the uh, C++ core guidelines. That is a set of rules that uh, allows you to write provably safe C++. Um, and to get to that, you have to think a little bit. Um, I like and prefer static type safety. That means that you can prove that either something is safe or a runtime check has been put in place. For something like C++, that cannot be done if you uh, if people write arbitrary code. It's, it's impossible. You're up against the hoarding problem. So to make this work, what you need to do is to have a set of rules that limits the use of the language to things that can be proven safe. And to make that feasible, you need some library support so that people don't have to spend all of their times in the dark corners of the language. Now, one thing that really annoys me with some of these um, comments about C and C++ is they keep talking about C slash C++. Yeah. That is a mythical language and not one that I like. And I propose and promote a much stronger typed style of C++ straight from scratch. And then I want that validated 
by static analyzers. And the static analyzers that you get for the core guidelines, uh, especially from Microsoft, but also uh, in Client Tidy and such, they come pretty close to guaranteeing it. That is, we can make sure there's no uh, memory leaks. We can make sure that there's no uh, dangling pointers and things like that. Uh, that means that there's some things you can't do, like uh, quite a few dirty tricks. And it also means you have to rely on uh, some trusted libraries, like uh, I think like SPAN that guarantees that you don't do um, uh, buffer overflows, you don't do out of range access. And, and these things are available. And if you look at any language claimed to be safe, they also rely on things like that. So it's not that different. Different. And my recent work for sort of eventually standardizing these techniques uh, says that we'll probably have to have some unverified code fragments, just like every other language that claims to be safe. And um, it's uh, the languages that claim to be safe and they don't have unsafe areas uh, has another solution. It's called core C or C++. And uh, we can't do that. That would be cheating. And so uh, we have to be explicit about what is safe and what isn't. And by default, when you pass the uh, static checker, it'll be safe. Um, some of my recent work uh, goes a little bit further about that because we've been thinking about it for a while. And that is that different people, different organizations, different uh, industries have different definitions of safety. So I have a paper together with Gavitas Race, who I've worked with for a long time on some of these things. Um, we're talking about profiles. That is, you can define a safety profile that allows uh, certain things and outdoors certain other things. We can talk about ranges, we can talk about dangling pointers, we can talk about overflow, we can talk about time constraints. Um, I think we list about 10 to 12 different potential profiles that people have been talking about. And this is not all that different from, for, for instance, what's done in Ada. Uh, that is also a language for highly reliable stuff. And um, I think we're very close to being able to uh, use some uh, the, the standard default, uh, the core uh, uh, profile, which says that you don't uh, break the type system in any way. Uh, very close to doing that with the um, with the static checkers. Uh, so we, we're basically similar to languages like Rust in terms of what guarantees we can provide. Uh, Rust is a bit ahead in terms of what you can do in concurrency, but uh, there's work for C++ um, in, in the uh, okay. area of Misra and together with um, 
with with the core guidelines for for going in that area. You you thanks for the that comprehensive answer. You've touched upon many things that we will actually uh, elaborate on later. Um, I want to focus a bit still on the design. By the way, if anyone is interested in the history of C++, I mean, there's probably many resources, but your interview with Lex Friedman three years ago is a fantastic one, by the way. It's a yeah. more than an hour long episode or interview, and it goes through many of the things that were in your head and eventually the committee's head uh, heads uh, and the design of the language, and it's beautiful. But let's let, before we move on, I'd like to focus a bit. And by the way, I also know that you, you and the language C++ is taking a bit of an unfair bashing because many of the unsafe low-level constructs are inherited, inherited from C and that mythical uh, language that doesn't exist and to, or the combination of both. So, so I understand. Let's, let's actually make that difference that uh, C++ is a... Is let a let me say something about right there. One of the things that the core guidelines do is to use the uh, subset or superset uh, technique that I actually popularized. The idea is that you build a support library so that you have a more ideal language. And once that is done, you can cut away a lot of the complexity that you would otherwise have to deal with. Uh, so for instance, when you have span, you don't need pointer manipulation in essentially all code. And that way means you can analyze uh, things. The other thing is that you mentioned these quotes people have about uh, vulnerabilities in C slash C++. First of all, they're mostly C or very C style C++. It's not something I've recommended in the last 20 years, but people have been doing it nevertheless. And furthermore, some of these things are outdated. They're old stuff. Uh, buffer overflow, uh, range errors. It's not something you see in a well-run C++ shop every month. Um, I, I, I see them sometimes in testing, but very rarely deployed. But if you take a 20-year-old C++ program or 15-year-old and compare it with a re-engineered uh, mm, uh, piece of code in just about any language, um, you will find that there's many more vulnerabilities in the old, old style code than there is in the new, new language code. If you have new C++ code, you wouldn't have uh, those vulnerabilities either. That's absolutely true. And Although that actually highlights another problem of software supply chain in general, and in the case of C++, of the way C++, modern C++, so the new versions, and we'll, I'll, I'll let you explain how the committee works and how the rollout of C++23, the next one, 20, 17, 14, and so forth, has worked to the ecosystem, the community, and the end user. But we, before we move in, I'd like to make a, another sort of like, I'd like to force you to explain a bit, and again, you are representing a uh, consensus-driven committee, so I'm not making you obviously responsible for any of this, and you're not the official spokesperson, but I'd like you to clarify. Uh, one of the core tenets of C++ is, as you say, don't break the type system, but another one might be that it is designed to have unbounded, undefined behavior, which collides the idea of that existing as a principal feature of the language might collide with security in general, because uh, you need 
to a, a completely secure system might need to have all behaviors defined. Uh, so can you, can you elaborate on the collision of those two things, if, if I have explained them correctly, and uh, if there's a solution to that, uh, Koro? I think the phrase you used, unbounded, um, undefined, undefined behavior, behavior is, to be, is to be avoided. Uh, it sort of crept in when compiler writers in particular uh, saw lack of definition of something as an excuse for optimization. Uh, we just have to get rid of that. One of the things that you can do in a probe file is to say certain forms of optimizations based on uh, undefined behavior is just not allowed. It's not that uh, uh, hard to do. And then if people want these ultimate optimizations, they would have to have a, a performance profile, which would be uh, unsafe in that sense, uh, might be unsafe in other sense. But if you're running in a, in a closed environment, uh, that may be what you want. Um, one of the profiles would be old-fashioned uh, C++. Uh, because there's a few billion lines of code out there that uh, needs to not go away. Because if you just ban it and ban further development of C++, further use of C++, those lines will be there and they will not be improved. You can wait for uh, replacements to turn up, but you're going to wait for decades. You probably have better data and more updated data than I do. But the last time I checked, we were talking about almost 20% of the world of, of the code in the world is written in C++. I think 90%, 19, apologies, slash 20. And I think I quote you in, from the podcast that I mentioned before, uh, I think four to five million C++ programmers at the current time. Is, are those first, figures? First of all, I can't count and I don't think anybody can. And anyway, I have been corrected for that number. People say six or seven. Um, and again, how on earth do you quote the uh, count? I, I, I don't know. So statistics is not uh, my strong uh, suit here uh, because I don't think it's all that relevant. It is humongous. It is something that just won't go away. And one of the major problems that I'm trying to deal with uh, together with Gabby is now, once we get a number of profiles, hopefully with the key one standardized so that you can rely on it on every implementation uh, in the same way, but you have multiple profiles. Every realistic program for a long time has parts that we can call safe by some one of the definitions of safe, and it will call stuff that isn't or follow a different profile. And it will be called by code that are written with a different profile that could be stronger or weaker in the safety area. And information is being passed along. How do you merge different profiles? That is a big question. And it's a big question, not just for C++. If a Rust program calls a C++ program or a C program, heaven forbid, then uh, you have all the vulnerabilities that you were talking about. 
if it is called from a C or C++ program that doesn't obey the safety rules, the information coming across that interface is, is going to uh, be a potential problem. And so the composition of code in different languages, the different profiles in a language is a major problem. And it will last for decades because the code, those billions of lines of code will not go away. Before we move on to where, how, how C++ works as a language, as a community, as an ecosystem, and then onto the solutions to harden C++, the ones that you propose, others. I'd like to address another adjacent topic to the one that you, we just addressed, the memory safety, the design of C++, uh, um, uh, types not being broken and stuff like that, um, which is, I guess, so, um, I would call it developer experience. I know it's a fuzzy and trendy word, but one that actually addresses one of the pr problems that I think that C++ has, that it is intrinsically complex uh, in its syntax and maybe its verbo verbosity. Uh, so I'm, I'm guessing, is, is, is it true? Would you think that uh, becoming proficient at C++ is actually tougher uh, or way tougher than it is to become so at um, JavaScript or Python, to main, mention other, other two. Other sure, of, of, of course it is. Uh, C++ is uh, aimed at harder problems. It is uh, creating a foundation. I mean, take Python. If you do a bit of linear algebra in Python, if you did it in pure Python, You'd be welcome, but you would be 70-some uh, times slower than the equivalent C++. And the way they solve their problems to call C++. The JavaScript engine you're using will be C++. Uh, they have outsourced the hard problems to C++. And we've managed rather nicely. Um, so somebody has to do the hard job. And there's a large and growing uh, C++ community that, that's doing that job. And th there's new hardware coming. You have to adapt to it. New forms of uh, concurrency. You have to adapt to, to it. Somebody has to do it. You can not say, okay, well, ignore this, then everything gets simpler. That doesn't work. Now, there's another aspect of complexity, which is all of these old-style coding and old style techniques and endless ways of fiddling with pointers, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, my solution to a lot of that is, well, it hurts when I hit myself in the head with a hammer. So don't do that. Uh, and how do you make sure that you don't do that? You have a static analyzer that keeps you out of the dark corners. I mean, the core guideline says don't do uh, address arithmetic. That has been outsourced to a library. Exactly the way that uh, other languages simplify. But that, that actually, I mean, and we will get into the enforcement of the core guidelines and how actually the ecosystem, specifically the tool providers, static analysis, dynamic analysis, um, all the different tools that might help with this, adopt that. I think that's a, a big problem that maybe regulators can help with. Uh, but, um, but yeah, 
staying on the developer experience topic, you say that you codify that in a library, but again, isn't that adding onto the cognitive load of an already complex language that I need to bring this dependency here and keep, keep in mind that this might be updated and might break changes and so forth. So again, um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to convey the idea that uh, C++ should be just straightforward, like HTML, like literally you could read natural text and you should, but um, uh, yes, I guess, I guess could the, de uh, the developer experience of C++ be improved by changing things uh, in the way coded uh, the core guidelines or the language itself is actually distributed? So there are two things we need to do. And, and I'll explain it like this. At least twice a month, somebody comes to me, usually quite emotionally, and says, C++ is too complicated. You must simplify it. I said, yeah, it's too complicated. We have to do something. And while you're at it, you must add these two features. I need them yesterday. Uh, yes. Oh, and by the way, don't break my code. I have two million lines of it, and you mustn't break it. You can't do all of those three things with a language change. So my solution is we stick to a very strict notion of compatibility. We don't break code. It's not 100%, but it's 99.99, something like that. But we can simplify use. And that's where the core guidelines come in and the work there. Uh, basically, you don't have to get into the dark corners. Uh, the, the language that uh, you write in when you're using uh, the core guidelines is fundamentally simpler. I'm working on a textbook now, revision, and I'm finding that essentially everything I do fits into the core guidelines. So you could have a, a textbook for novices that refills all of these criteria. And it comes out quite naturally. I didn't try to fulfill the um, core guidelines. It's just that the core guidelines are a bunch of good ideas. And when I have to teach how to write code, uh, you use those good ideas. We'll see if this works out, but uh, I'm working on that. Um, there are a lot of programmers that says, well, I want to know everything. I want to be the expert. I want to know absolutely everything. And I usually say, well, you know, if I had to remember everything all the time, I'd be a much worse developer. I'd write worse code. I'd be spending all my time trying to be a language lawyer. I know language lawyers. I can be a language lawyer when I have to. But most of the time, I want to be a programmer. I want to be a developer. And for that, you try and say, how do I say what I want to say the simplest possible way? And then I want to codify that and have a checker that makes sure that when I screw up, I get caught. Last question that I have around, quote unquote, developer experience. And this, this is less about the individual contributor and the cognitive Actually, load. One, of... one more thing here. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm working on a book. This is my explanation for people who want to know what modern C++ is and 
anybody who comes and says, well, it's a dialect of C and you have to learn C first, they should read that one because that demonstrates that that was not the idea and it is not the idea and it's not a necessary way of looking at it. When, when is that revision coming out, by the way, of that book? Oh, it came out half a year ago. Okay. Um, last question again. No, so much focused on cognitive load of the individual contributor and the indivi individual C++ programmer, but actually team software delivery, right? And this is mostly a fact that I would like your opinion on. It seems to me, I don't have strong data about this, but I do have proxies and uh, kind of anecdotal evidence of it, that most of the C++ um, programming and teams out there programming in C++, and especially those focused on safety, uh, are using waterfall V-shaped methodologies, all these kinds of old, and they don't, are not adopting continuous delivery, XP, or test-driven development. So is there a fundamental design in C++ that would allow, would, would actually disable or, or become too, uh, uh, provide too much friction to adopt these methodologies that, as you said at the beginning, are meant to cut down feedback loops, feedback mechanisms, so that you can launch code in production and receive feedback from the end user, and therefore, you know, uh, um, uh, chunk down the amount of code on ideas that you ship into production and make it more secure, more performant in shorter feedback uh, in, in shorter time. So I wonder if, if, if this reality that I just described is actually true in your view and why would this be specifically the case for C++? I don't claim to be a tool chain expert uh, and I'm not in sort of a situation of maintaining a tool chain for others or a salesman of such. So I know something, but mostly like uh, your average developer, and maybe even worse than that, because I, I, I focus on teaching and design and uh, helping others. So with that caveat, um, I think that some of the tool work is there to compensate on people doing really old-fashioned stuff. Some of the analysis, some of the uh, dynamic testing, uh, some of the test-driven uh, stuff is there because they don't have a type system in place, or if they do, they break it all the time. Uh, it's driven by uh, weekly type languages and um, and my approach is very explicitly and deliberately. It's meant to be strongly typed. It's meant to be enforcement of strong typing. And uh, that is the main tool uh, for, for getting out of it. Um, in other words, I'm looking at static tools and using static tools to place dynamic checks in the code, as opposed to writing uh, dynamic checks that you can dump into the, the code that, that you can by tools insert into the code that is inherently unsafe and inherently um, messy. Um, it's, it's a different approach. And uh, yes, there's a lot of tool stuff that needs to be put in place. And the tool builders have to realize that they shouldn't do C first for everything they build.
they actually have to use the type system of C++ to get the benefit of the C++, and that is not easy to convince them about. Um, and why so? Because they see that there's this much C, there's this much C++. Well, C++ is sort of like C, so if we do it for C, both can use it. So why, uh, why do only half or three quarters of your community if you can start with the other quarter? Uh, um, my information says there's significantly more C++ in production than there's C. And uh, that's, that's interesting given what you see on, on, on various uh, news sources. But yeah. Of something I've got to say, but I've lost the thread now. So would you say then that um, it is feasible to do extreme programming, continuous delivery? Again, I'm not necessarily uh, focusing on one of these. Agile development, um, uh, anything that shortens the feedback loop with the end user and that actually reduces the amount of code uh, released each time so that that virtuous circle hap happens. Is that possible to be done with C++? Yes, if that's what you want, you can get it. But I have a strong suspicion that a lot of sort of continuous this and move fast and break it and uh, agile and such uh, leads to a, a short-term focus that doesn't allow you to address fundamental issues and actually increases the uh, bug load. In other words, the insecurities. Uh, so if you are working on high reliability stuff, you actually have to take it a little bit slower. Slow down, think the problem through, express it carefully, uh, do a fair bit of testing uh, of various sorts before you ship. Uh, you do not want the brakes of your car or the um, control system for your airport to be written and uh, updated by relatively cheap developers with, uh, with a short-term uh, perspective. One of the things that I um, worry about a lot um, in sort of my other head with education is that people think that programming is one thing. It isn't. There are styles that work for, for doing a web app and there are styles that work for engineering a control system. Uh, they are not the same skills and I don't think it should be the same tool chains. I don't think it should be the, the, the same style of uh, language use. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. And then my mind goes to why would uh, governments, in this case, the American government or the National Security Agency, maybe not the complete, the full, you know, the, it doesn't voice the concerns of all the government, but also the EU. The EU has put out a what seems to be a template, a draft of a new law, a new act called CRA, uh, Cyber Resilience Act, which is pretty undefined. As of now, we, we, we're recording this in March 2023. But yet, it seems like they've run out of patience and they are putting pressure on the software suppliers, among which could be the 
are the, the, the creators of programming languages to, to harden their output, in this case, C++. So let's move on to how is C++ hardened and the future of C++, which is something that you've already described. So here. as I said, I have been working on this, depending on how you count, for 7, 20 or 40 years, slowly improving things. And people say it's too slow, but it's really hard to move at the scale uh, we're moving at. And I'm encouraging uh, more pressure to be put on uh, safety. Uh, safety and security are not the same thing, but putting um, more emphasis on that would be good. Um, I think it is um, unfortunate and ill-considered to uh, focus on this language is good and this language is not good. I noticed that the people listing good languages don't list Ada, which is probably the best language for uh, That's true. They don't even mention of, it. They don't mention it. And they, they pick on C slash C++, and I think that is unfair and unfortunate because it could actually turn the C++ community away from that, whereas they should encourage the C++ community to pay more attention to um, to safety, and, and given that I've been working on type and resource safety for, for years and documented and have static analyzers in the field and such, I could use some help. And uh, the standards committee is a very large, very diverse group. Uh, it is very hard to make them move in one direction. Take a photograph of the people that voted in C20 as a per piece of work. Uh, you see 250 people cheering. How do you get 250 people to agree on anything? That's not easy. And we got very important things uh, for both the development experiments, like the, um, the, the modules that speed up compilation with five, ten types, not a little percentage, and also uh, removes a, a whole bunch of uh, uh, error-prone facilities related to the very old composition of code with includes. Um, we got uh, uh, what's it called, concepts, uh, which will make generic programming uh, safer and simpler. If people would just uh, learn that that's what they really want, because that's the same thing as you get for, for static types in, in normal code and overloading. Uh, you get it for generic code now. We got coroutines, which would give us uh, speed and uh, also simplicity of uh, what otherwise would be complex systems. Uh, that's a major, major improvement. And people should move ahead of that. And it will get them towards the goals of, um, of type safety and resource safety. I, I would personally encourage the NSA, in this case, who put out that announcement, and the European Parliament stakeholders to get engage, to engage in conversations with the committee, with the standards committee, because otherwise, without this they, collaboration, it's just pointing fingers. Not, we were yeah. not con contacted. Nobody went to them. There was a lot of people working on Rust, a lot of people working on, 
some of the other languages mentioned that says, oh, and by the way, these are great languages, give us money. Wait a minute, what is this? This is self-dealing. Um, so uh, it, I, I would have been happier if, if there had been some context. And I believe that some contacts are being made. Um, but again, they mix, mix up C and C++, which in this context is not a good idea. So let's help them, actually. And this is the, the final block of the interview, in a way. How, how, how are you and the committee, um, <coughs> the standards committee, working on hardening uh, C++ and, um, you know, getting to that sort of like compromise between safety and security and even speed, I would argue, speed of releases rather. So there's a, I think, I think the, as comp compromises are, they're almost impossible to solve, but you know, I think that gradually we can get to a best practices solution or something. Yeah, so there's I a, so the, wait, 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 wait. I think compromises is the wrong word. Yes. It's a, a how would you call it? Is, type safety is a thing. Uh, and it's concrete and it's provable. If I can define an object of type X and use it without going through the interface of type X, it's broken. And so this is not something I'm interested in compromising about. Um, and I think we have an approach that, that might work if people um, are realize it, it. This is the profiles approach that allows you to get a variety of things. So what you get is not a compromise between this and that. You can get this or that as is appropriate. The other thing people should realize is that you can't do this by patching without a framework. And that's something that's going on in the committee just now. People say, I have this great thing. This will improve it. And it might improve it, but there's a cost. And uh, does it fit with other things? And so I'm trying to get people to work within the framework of profiles and also work within the uh, framework of the type system as opposed to saying, I, I can hack this into... Uh, the lower level of the system where, where types doesn't exist and where we've got a lot of macros well, and, and it works with C2. It cannot be complete. This is not the way you go. So I, I have an opinion, you could say an attitude, which is basically type safety is good. I learned this. If you go back and look at my writings from the 80s, that's what I'm saying. That's what the aim is. We're going to get there. Um, I remember talking to um, Anna's highest bear that went and did C-sharp. And I was saying this sometime in the 80s. He says, but it's going to take years. She says, of course it's going to take years. It'll probably take decades, but we have to get there. So let's actually help, um, you know, the, the public servants that have... Um, probably, you know, uh, that are willing to engage in conversations and, and collaboration in the open source spirit um, uh, with the C++ community, right? Let's help them see where, where, where modern C++ is going, right? So it seems like there's a, 
the, the way things are modernizing, and this has been happening for, for a long time, it's not that this is new, is in three ways. Um, and let, let's actually touch upon the three of them. Uh, one would be the core guidelines. You've mentioned it, so I'll allow you to ex, um, uh, elaborate on that in a minute. Uh, MISRA, you've also mentioned that, how, how those combine and so forth. The standards, and I'd like you to describe a bit at a high level, how does the, pro, the C++ programming language standards committee work? Uh, the working groups and how the, the new versions of, version might not be a good word, of the language come out. And the third item that I think is modernizing C++, so core guidelines, the standards and the new rollouts of, of the new version of C++, again, uh, at, at say if version is the right word, the ecosystem, right? Because those remain, those two remain a bit in the ideal, in the space, in the realm of ideas, but then need to be enforced. And it's the, eventually the compilers, it's eventually the static analysis tools, the linting tools, the parsing, all those that eventually implement those things. So let's focus a bit on a, a summary description, high level description of how the standard works, uh, the standard committees works and the new uh, releases of C++, the next one being 23 in, the year, in this year, to be rolled out. How does that work? Okay, so um, for good and bad, the C++ Standards Committee is a very large committee. Um, 200 and some people turn up at meetings, uh, maybe 500 is involved in, in, in total, at least 400. And it's hard to get a, a coherent, design out of that. On the other hand, it is hard to uh, ignore uh, real world problems. We have about 20 countries involved here and uh, all the major uh, companies, a lot of small companies. And it's organized in a somewhat bureaucratic manner, which drives me nuts, but it's probably necessary, um, which is uh, study groups. We've got 20 of those that study particular areas such as uh, security, we've had it for a while, uh, such as uh, databases and such. And then that feeds into uh, four groups, working groups that consider concrete examples, which then gets into a plenary where they vote again, there's votes all the way down here, and then once we get a document to put together, a new standard, it goes out to the countries for ratification. And we have to work slowly because um, two or three countries voting no would kill a standard. This has never happened because we work till we know everybody have agreed, not that it's perfect, but it's at the best they can likely get now. And... Um, so we get votes like 22 to zero. Um, that's, that's, that's where we go. The technical consensus is more like 85, 90%, but uh, it's, it's up there. We don't want something like, uh, say, the UK vote where they 52 to uh, 48 uh, decide to uh, commit. Uh, Thanks for bringing that up. Yes, uh, I but yeah, it seems to me... It seems to me that the design of the standards committee, so st study groups, 20 roughly, four working groups, then that pours down into actual contingent uh, proposals that get voted by all the committees, and it's consensus-driven. I would argue that compared to how JavaScript is developed 
released, updated uh, Python. And it seems to me that, and without going into detail into how that works, uh, it seems to me that it, this is a very representative, for lack of a better word. It, it uh, is a, it's but, a more representative, more democratic observation. But then, you I was know, going to say democratic. The, the, the dictator for life uh, resigned because it was too uh, difficult. And there's been other of those committees that are closed has... Uh, they, they have the benefit of a dictatorship. You can do things fast, but then you know, power corrupts and all of that. Um, one thing okay. that this system of uh, committees doesn't do well is to maintain a coherent direction and come up with coherent proposals that are loaded. And there's a constant tension of how the proposals are built and then how they move through this system. And one of the things I'm doing with my profile uh, proposal, which by the way, got something like a 22 to two vote for a framework at the last meeting, um, get creating a framework and then having individuals, usually smaller groups of individuals coming up with designs, uh, uh, concepts was the work of uh, Gavidas Reyes and me, for instance, and um, oh, I'm blanking out a couple of others. Oh, no worries. Um, and so also we got 23 voted. It has voted. It is going to the national votes and it'll pass. It's a fairly minor extension. If you look at 20. At 20, you, you, you get a good idea of what the big framework is, but we have the feedback. We've plugged the, the little uh, details that didn't write, we couldn't get right without trying it at scale and without integrating it. Feature interaction is a really hard problem in a large project, independently of what we're talking about. And so that's what 23 is. So, by the way, uh, so before we move on to core guidelines, which I mentioned and you actually mentioned before, and the ecosystem, the C++ industry, compilers, uh, pro uh, dev tool providers, and so forth, let's focus on four of the proposed, to, to dovetail a bit and focus a bit back again into safety and security. Let's focus on four, and, and hopefully you are aware of these proposals because they are bleeding edge. I mean, I think, I think some of them that I will mention were proposed to the committee Two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I can't remember when was the last uh, meeting. It was very recent, correct? Yeah, that was in a month uh, ago? Early, early February. I can't even pronounce where it was, uh, the, the place. But anyway. Like uh, outside so, Seattle. So again, the pressure from the NSA, the EU, the industry in general is actually being carved into proposals. So... There's one, for example, that is, is actually one in which you have an opinion, you, you actually delivered an opinion, which is bringing Rust's uh, memory safety into C++. That sounds simple. It, it specifically talks about... No, I've no, no, uh, no, it's not, it's not your proposal. I, 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 I'm saying that you had an opinion on this proposal or uh, on this idea. Apologies. Uh, no. The proposal is from, I can't remember, but I'll link it in the show notes. I've got names for everyone, the proposals. Thomas Newman is the next one. Uh, J.F. Bastian, but I forgot uh, uh, about adding this one. I'll, I'll add it to the show notes. How how would you see porting, quote unquote, porting the borrow checker from uh, Rust into C plus uh, plus? Would that work in your opinion? 
or is that an idea that would not work? Um, curiously enough, um, I invented something like that back in 2005 or something, and I was I never implemented it. I looked at what it would do to uh, key uh, programming styles in C++ and decided it wouldn't fly. And uh, maybe it will today, but I really doubt it. And this is these proposals are the ones that are coming. I've got a great idea that can help. And it might help, especially in some area, but, but not in others. Uh, I want memory safety, and I can get it, and I am getting it today. I don't need to borrow trigger. Now, if you want to deal with the concurrency issues where there's interesting things like if there's only one pointer to something, uh, then you don't need a log on it. Uh, that can be done uh, with uh, very minor tweaks to unique pointer and uh, enforcing some of the rules for what a thing destructor is. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, seem to have discovered security and safety issues uh, very recently and are rushing with the obvious first ideas. And we, we, we need to think harder than that. What about the next one, which I already mentioned? I think it's Thomas Newman's proposal, which is basically roughly to add annotations, if I'm not wrong, to mark aliasing, lifetime or dependencies between objects. It doesn't scale. It's been tried many, many times in industry and academia. It looks beautifully in, in a paper. Uh, it looks uh, beautiful in, uh, in, in a small program. It doesn't scale. Once you have thousands of annotations, some of them are getting wrong. You need a framework so that you can actually verify the uh, annotations, so that the annotations become optimizations. So, for instance, I uh, propose an annotation for non-invalidating functions. That is, when you call a function on some data, it might invalidate other references to it, and that's banned by static analysis. Done today, we're not hypothesizing here. But there are some functions that, by their type signature, could modify the data but doesn't. Actually, quite a few of them. So I want an annotation that says non-invalidating. This has the interesting property that it makes it very easy to make sure that you can use that function, but it can be validated when you define the function fairly easily, locally. You just see if it does it. Um, for an individual function, static analysis can do that and the rules for local static analysis, which what is what we're talking about, global static analysis doesn't scale. Um, it has the interesting property that either you can validate it's correct, you can validate that it is not correct, that's easy. Or you can say it's too complicated to provide a guarantee. And that's fine. You just can't call uh, can't call that function under the guarantees if it can't guarantee to follow them. Do your and we're moving now on to your proposal, yours and several others, Ali. Um, does that fuzzy? You said so. So you said that static analysis would provide a binary 
answer, yes, uh, it, it, it's okay, no, it's not okay, or that, that middle ground. Does your core guidelines enforced in a local uh, static analysis tool actually help with that fuzzy area? The core guidelines is a set of guidelines uh, supported by a set of enforcement rules, and those enforcement rules are implemented by some static analyzers. We need more than that. If you look at my proposals, that's exactly what I'm saying. We need to tighten up the core guidelines so that uh, we, we can standardize uh, the, 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 the core checking. And in that case, the middle ground becomes um, uh, uh, if, it, if, it, if you're on the middle ground, if you cannot prove it is true or false, then it cannot be called, but it's a useful tool. It tells you, the developer, that your code is too complex uh, to give an answer. And then you might consider things like uh, a non-validated annotation or something like that, but you have to minimize annotations. As soon as you start counting them in a large number relative to the number of lines, uh, it, it doesn't scale. This has been tried again. This, by the way, should be reliant on sort of like intelligent developer tools, right? Not only static analysis, but maybe IDEs, right? So that the core guidelines, guidelines, and I'm thinking maybe of chat DPT. I don't know. I'm, I'm just mentioning the fact that uh, helping the developer make a decision, you know, when, when he reaches this end point in which the, the, the core guidelines or the implementation of them are telling him or her that his or her code is too complex, then he or her, she might need help. And that's why what I'm asking, is this considering, is this tool providing the core guidelines, suggestions, intelligent enough to provide this specific help that this person might need? Because otherwise the core, it might be... The core, the, the core guidelines was designed to be helpful. Uh, the problem is that the resources have not been available to build the tools that could be, to, uh, could be used. Uh, one of the rules is that if a core guidelines prohibit something, it must always provide a suggestion for an alternative. This is in the brown, it's right there from the beginning. And the imagination we had at the time was that if a guideline is violated, your IDE comes up clashing. This is where the rule is. It's got a name, it's got a rationale, it's got an example. And if it prohibits something, it shows something about how you can do it uh, otherwise. On the other hand, I don't want to, um, the, the smart tools to do more than help you. I don't want them to provide guarantees. The guarantees should be in the type system, in the rule sets. And there were some examples with, uh, with supporting uh, tools that, that, uh, that helped people write code. And they actually found that people were making more security violations than if they had to write it themselves because they relied on tools that weren't perfect and they sort of, their brain uh, turned off a bit because 
they got so much help. So uh, I think you could have all kinds of help in the IDE, but the guarantees has to be provided by some tool devoted to enforcing it. Can't rely on, on people following the rules or, or even the uh, tools can do it. There's been a lot of model-driven development and uh, they tend to have a lot of options. And people use a variety of options. And then you wait five years and you wonder which options they used and which guarantees they really had when the tool have changed and the world has changed and the libraries have changed. No, I think we need a, a, a good solid foundation and then we need the help to be built on that. Separate the two. Last question about the core guidelines. How do they sit within the standards committee itself? Are they, are they, yeah, where do they sit and they what don't, are they? They don't fit. Uh, okay. They are an individual activity uh, done by uh, a handful or a couple of handfuls of uh, people. They exist, they are on the web, they are. Um, available, there's books about it, there are um, there, there are several static analyzers that use them, there's libraries that support it, but it's not standard and uh, some of the parts are coming into the standard and sometimes the standard is weakening some of the guarantees that was provided because these guys aren't as focused on safety as say I am. But we, we'll see what happens. The, the uh, profile proposal relies on something like core guidelines, but it isn't core guidelines. It is, it is stricter and uh, hopefully standardized. The core guidelines have rules to make it simpler to write code. It has heuristics-based uh, uh, enforcement, which we can't have uh, for the uh, safety-related stuff. But we can have it for other profile that says, how, how, I would like very much a teaching profile, which basically uh, shows you a simpler language that stops you from getting into the dark corners. I don't think that will be standardized. I don't think it will, I think it will have several heuristics in it. And uh, it'll be very, very useful for getting people on board with a modern style of coding. Yeah, yeah, that would be actually really interesting. So last of the three sort of like ways in which C++ modernizes and, you know, by as a result of that, uh, is hardened and made more secure. And there's this relationship between the release of new standards, again, the latest one coming out when, by the way, this year, sometime this year? Sometimes this year. It's uh, being voted by the nations just now. It should be there in the fall sometime. It takes forever for the nations to agree on anything. But they will. They will. Anyway, just let's use 2020, uh, C++20, uh, the one rolled out in 2020, uh, for reference. How does the relationship between the propagation but the, the existence of a new standard and its propagation to the tools, right? Again, it's this idea that the standard library is a great 
the, the latest and greatest of C++, and yet it will not be successful if it's not implemented in the tooling, in this case, compilers, but elsewhere. So how is that they, relationship? But they are. But they are. Um, today, C++ 20 uh, is very close to completely implemented by all the major implementers. And parts of C++ uh, 23 are already deployed. Um, I use as a default compilers with, I use the latest switches so that I can try out the new things. And, and I'm using C++ 23 features today. Oh. Now, if you want to know where the world is in those respects, you go to cppreference.com, uh, uh, which is one of the best online uh, yes. documentations of C++, and you look for the compilers. And then you have a graph of all the, sorry, a table of all the features and all the compilers that shows which stage of C++ they have implemented. And you will mm. see that here red means it's done. Uh, and you, or maybe it is, or maybe it's green. But anyway, most of it shows it's done. Um, and they are uh, almost complete for C++ 20, and they are maybe a third of the way into C++ 23. And I wow. expect them to hit uh, close to 90% of C++ 23 before the end of the year. So I guess, and this is probably the final question, unless you consider we didn't touch upon anything that you wanted to touch upon, but how can the standards committee uh, the working groups in it, but the standards committee, the ecosystem, meaning the industry, the compiler providers, the dev tool providers, and the public powers, the NSA, if they want to get involved, the European Parliament, or anyone that has actually called upon C++ to become stronger, or safer rather, secure rather, uh, how can all help bring legacy code in this case, C++, legacy code base, to the most modern and therefore secure version of C++. Is there a way in which, um, yeah, all these three actors and agents can help uh, make the enormous amount of C++ written out there, 98, you name it, you know, old versions of it, uh, come to date and become more secure? I mean, upgrading old code is very hard because old code is messier, and really good developers would rather work on something much, uh, much more modern and elegant and such. And so we are going to um, look into the situation of upgrading the things that has the greatest needs first in terms of safety, for instance. And so uh, basically we have to choose areas where we put our efforts. And some of that will have to be rewritten. Some will have to be modified. A lot of that work can be done by switching to uh, more modern uh, libraries. And uh, some of them are in the standard. Uh, some of them can be done by injecting uh, supporting code uh, to support the type system. Not random testing of, uh, of memory locations, there's also that, but people are doing that. That is not my approach. My approach is to, uh, I would like to be able to throw a switch that says, 
the resulting program will be completely type and resource safe. No leaks, no type violations. I think I know how to do that. It would cost some money. Somebody was willing to put the effort in. Uh, the public, uh, et cetera, should, uh, should think about this. Uh, one of the things C++ never had was money. We don't have development money for the language itself and for the fundamental tools. We, we have a handful of, uh, of compiler writers, uh, and uh, they are not a profit center for their organizations, so they're always short of money. We have several handfuls of uh, good library uh, writers, uh, some of them dealing with the standards. But again, we are at the foundational end of things, and that's not where uh, the commercial organizations like to spend most of their money. Mm. And so, if if the um, if, if the public servants uh, decide to be helpful, as opposed to just saying uh, "don't do C slash C plus plus" and and try this new untried language, not even standardized, it has no formal definition, but go to it; it's safe. Give me a break. Anyway, but if they want to be constructive, uh, say that uh, we would like to uh, uh, give some benefits if you deliver things that are demonstratively type and resource safe. Um, I can see. In, 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 encourage uh, Microsoft and Facebook and Google and IBM and such to. To, to do this, not by uh, going and doing something brand new that doesn't apply to their existing code bases, but something where you can take your critical uh, software, upgrade it, and then go to the next uh, most critical one and build your new stuff so that it fits. Yeah, I personally think that a deep assessment, detailed assessment of the C++ software supply chain Again, considering these items, these agents rather, the committee, the compiler developers, the uh, SAS developers, or all, all the DevTool developers, and the end users, and addressing the financial um, bottlenecks in each one of those, if we consider C++ as it seems that we are considering uh, globally a critical element of the software supply chain in general would be, would be ideal, I would It is. No, no, I know. That's, yeah. that's, why, that, that's why they made such strong statements that I uh, quoted at the but beginning of the, this. The, uh, but, some of but, those but, statements, they're, they're right in what, we sh what the problem is, but their solution is half-baked. Exactly. And, that's what I'm uh, saying. It's missing the if, other side of the coin. If they to encourage the standards committee, that would be help me a lot. Uh, I am having some trouble convincing everybody that they should uh, actually uh, focus on the fundamentals, on the safety things, on the simplification. These, these guys are mostly uh, technical experts in some area and really want to see their area become better, which means more facilities, uh, more tuning opportunities and such. And that's not the whole thing. We, we, we need to uh, be able to, 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 to focus on the safety uh, and uh, that's type safety. 
and resource management. Profiles, by the way, allows you to do both because you can have a performance uh, profile or a low-level hardware profile, uh, but it's different from the, say, type safety profile. What, what arguments are you finding against profiles? I don't find arguments. Uh, they all love the idea, and then they go and do something else to a large extent. I was I was deeply shocked. I, I, I had a, I think it was 42 to 2 vote. This never happens. Could this be related again to the cognitive load slash developer experience of, of it all? That it is a nifty solution that solves the problem, but one that involves a ton of work. Yes, that's why I think developer experience is you fundamentally... Want to, you want to do something that works on a world scale. I mean, people come, and, and I've seen examples, you say you should do this, and says it's been done. I did it for Pascal 10 years ago. Yeah, but I needed to work for million-line code bases, multi-million line code bases. I need something that can be distributed worldwide, or to Mars, if that's where your code is. Yeah, true. Well, behind it, um, I think we've covered everything that I at least wanted to cover. Uh, uh, did we miss anything that you wanted to talk about security? Uh, I'll, just, I'll just again say what I probably have said 10 times already. We need uh, better support for type safety and uh, resource safety, and we know how to do it. And we uh, the framework for that are the profiles, and we need support for that. Anybody who can give support, moral, verbal, financial, for this, they can do something good to the world. Indeed. Well, with that, uh, Bjarne, I'd like to thank you for joining us today at Software Engineering Daily. Thanks. I hope this has some good effects. It will.